Welcome to the Tony Tan Show. Embracing leading edge technology to help humanity work better and live better. Diving deep into the latest AI and digital disruptions, helping you find your true potential with the help of latest tech. The future in the present. And here is your host, Tony Tan. Hi everyone, my name is Tony Tan. I'm the CEO of Imperium, an award-winning author, keynote speaker, and the host of the Tony Tan Show and podcast. Today, enterprises in Singapore are facing their greatest threat ever from cybersecurity attacks. This is due to increased digitization, proliferation of IoT devices, and the increased sophistication of ransomware attacks. Are there resources by the Singapore government that enterprises can harness to increase the resiliency and cyber posture and give them an edge. To answer these questions, we have with us today Ms. Veronica Tan, Director of Cybersecurity Agency Singapore, to give us her insights. Veronica is driving the Safer Cyberspace Portfolio in CSA. Her areas of focus include leveraging national-level infrastructure to provide basic cybersecurity for the wider cyberspace as well as developing technology programs to increase the cyber resiliency of enterprises in Singapore. Prior to cybersecurity, Veronica was in IMDA, where she drives growth of emerging technology that includes blockchain in Singapore. So let us welcome Veronica to the Tony Tan Show. Subscribe to the Tony Tan Channel www.youtube.com forward slash Tony Tan Global and connect with Tony through his Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash Future of Disruptions Veronica, we are so happy to have you, uh, you know, in our Tony Tan Show and podcast this afternoon. Thank you for taking our time off your uh, busy schedule to join us. I'm very happy to be here today. Yes, I, I know that, you know, there's so many things that's happening every day. We are seeing so so much interesting news. The audience and myself is really, really, very curious, right? Uh, that in the last two and a half years, we have seen all these news about increased cybersecurity attacks. And, you know, Singapore uh, is one of those countries that is so well connected that the attacks are really growing in terms of of like 76%, 100%, depending on what, what, what reports are you looking at. Uh, what are your take about uh, these attacks on Singapore? Why is it that uh, the volume of attacks that we are seeing in the news is growing by leaps and bounds in the last uh, two years? So you're very right to say that I think all of us who are in the cybersecurity industry, we would have seen um, attacks increasing the past two to three years. And quite a few of this is actually also uh, related to the global pandemic. So if you think about it, the pandemic has actually forced lockdowns and all of us to go indoors and stay at homes at some point in our lives. So in order for business to continue, so-called as usual, then businesses have been forced to digitalize very quickly. Mm. And some reports I've seen uh, said that the increase in digital transformation has increased by as much as seven times. What this also means that basically companies become a lot more interconnected, the attack surface in cybersecurity term increases and this creates more opportunities for hackers. So I think uh, this is why we're seeing uh, a major rise in cybersecurity incidents the past one and a half years uh, or two years of the pandemic and that's why uh, getting to be quite a concern and that's why we're also stepping out on our efforts to get enterprises to be a lot more aware about this and to be cyber safe. Ransomware in particular uh, is one um, that has actually increased 
increased by quite a bit in the past one year as well. All right. This is interesting about a couple of things that you speak about because we have been always talking about digitizing, digitizing. We are very concerned about the economy. But sometimes we fail to really emphasize the other side, which is, hey, you know, secure yourself while you digitize, right? So I think uh, this, this, this portion is very, really important. And I'd like to talk about the surface areas that you talk about. Uh, there's this growth of these IoT devices. Is that one of the areas that we are saying that why the surface area is getting bigger and bigger? Is it one of those contributors? I think certainly, yes. Uh, firstly, uh, there are many more devices now and they're getting smarter and more connected. So traditionally in the past where they weren't uh, as smart, less of an issue, but increasingly the number of devices increasing and becoming a lot more connected. So this is also um, attribute uh, is also contributing to the rise in cybersecurity incidents. But I think beyond that is also generally a lot more usage in digitalization. So some of your traditional processes where you used to physically go to the brick and mortar shop to yes. buy things, you now take your transactions online. So this has also contributed as well. Yes, certainly. I think uh, the message is that while we digitize, you really have to put an eye on the security hygiene, you know, how we are educated on security as well, right? It's not just a one-sided track on just digitization itself. And you brought up a very interesting point earlier about ransomware. Now, we've been hearing about ransomware, ransomware, ransomware every day, right? So I know for a fact that we have been increasing our spend on cybersecurity. Why do you think these ransomware attacks are still so prevalent in today's uh, society. So I think these were some statistics that was mentioned in CSA's Cyber Landscape Report. It talks about ransomware evolving into a massive and systemic threat. One of the key reasons is also because of the change in uh, the ransomware industry. So I think uh, people may have heard about ransomware as a service where in a way the criminals are now uh, becoming a bit more commercial minded and making this into a business model. So it's like as a service and it's now really available for people to actually uh, take on this and launch attacks as a service. So where in the past before this was available, uh, you would have to have a certain level of technical expertise in order to be able to launch a ransomware attack. But the moment there are ransomware as a service models lying around, basically you can uh, pay money to these cyber criminals who will actually have good customer service and help you in doing so. So this lowers the barriers, makes it a lot more accessible and this has also contributed to the rise in ransomware as well. Yeah, and I think it is really alarming to see this rise. I mean, we are hearing so many companies, uh, whether it's reported or non-reported, but certainly they have experiencing, they have experienced this sort of attack before. And I think that our government is also very concerned and our government also wants to do a part to make sure that we have a secure digital space to grow in. And we hear about this new multi-task uh, force agency that they are trying to put together for ransomware. Could you you know, give us some insights. Where do you think, the, what, what's the value add of a task force like that, you know, and how does it help us going forward? So this is not just a Singapore-only conversation. Actually, ransomware has become a global threat and it's not just Singapore, but many other countries are actually also paying a lot of attention to it. So I think um, one of the parts of the task force is actually for us to link up with other initiatives overseas so that we can do this together globally to work together as a whole global nation to drive the ransomware, um, anti-ransomware initiatives. And um, within Singapore, we also have multiple government agencies involved in the task force. Um, this will include um, agencies such as SPF, which looks at the criminal side of things, MAS, because um, some parts of ransomware would go into crypto-related discussions and so on. So I think collectively in Singapore, different agencies have come together so that we can try to look at the different work streams and to solve the problem a little bit more holistically. And then across the, the world globally, is also to touch base with the rest of the world because this is something where cybersecurity is very much a team sport. A single country can't do it alone and we need to be able to work with the rest of the world in order to tackle this issue together collectively. Oh, 
that sounds like a plan. But that sounds like a massive plan, right? To bring so many agencies together and so much intelligence that we are putting together. But I do think that if these things are put in place, as well, as we know, today's digital world, we are also transiting and there's something called a metaverse coming coming in. And you spoke about the crypto uh, space earlier. I think that we are very, we have the foresight to bring all these agencies together and really arrest some of these problems and protect as we digitize and go into new digital venues in the future. So I'm really heartened that uh, we are putting in place something like that to protect our digital future. And I know you are playing an important part in this, Veronica. You are the director of uh, Cybersecurity Agencies Singapore, right? And I've heard so many things that that CSA is doing to increase the resilience of enterprises in Singapore. But before I want to go into some of these uh, uh, programs that you have, can I understand what exactly is uh, CSA? What is their charter? And you know how are they helping Singapore enterprises with this organization? So CSA is basically one part of the Prime Minister's office and being managed by the Ministry of Communications and Information. The mission, uh, quite simple, is to keep our cyberspace safe and secure. And I would say that there are three major pillars uh, that sort of go around it. Number one is around the area of national security, and this is about our CIIs, or critical information infrastructure. These are our systems that basically oversee the delivery of essential services. Think of your water, your power, your banking. Uh, imagine what would happen to businesses and individuals if all these essential services were not available. So one part of our work basically protects all these as the crown jewels. But let us not forget that there's also the broader digital economy. So Singapore has this vision, right? We've always said that we want to be a smart nation. We want to be a trusted digital economy. And that's why we are encouraging companies to digitalize and embrace all the opportunities from digitalization. But as we discussed earlier, if you want to digitalize, but you do so um, so-called blindly without knowing what the risks are, you would run into issues with cyber incidents. So then that's where uh, our work comes in to also protect the wider cyberspace, make sure that as we digitalize towards uh, our vision of being a digital economy, we can also be trusted and our enterprises are basically safe in doing so. Finally, the last pillar is our digital way of life. Um, I touched upon it briefly. You and I as consumers, um, when the pandemic happened and we were all stuck at home, we maybe uh, couldn't go out very much. What did we do? We went online. When you buy groceries, maybe in the past, you would go to your supermarkets, but maybe because of the pandemic, you may have switched to online ordering. You can't go to the restaurants and there was one point in time when we couldn't do that, so we did online ordering. So many of our transactions now are now online and as uh, individuals how are we making sure that we are being cyber safe as we use our mobile phones mm. and our tablets to basically do all these online transactions how are we making sure that we are being conscious about it and not inadvertently being scammed for example and mm. fish and I think uh, these would be the three key pillars that help to keep our cyber safe uh, safe essentially the critical information infrastructure the wider broader digital economy and then us as individuals our digital way of life Wow I think that you have really covered the entire spectrum that we are looking at in terms of our interaction with digital experiences and cybersecurity. And I know, Veronica, I'd like to thank you on behalf of our audience. I know that the last few months you have been working very hard. I have experienced it to roll out some very, very key programs to make our lives easier. Thank you so much uh, on behalf of the enterprises. And these two programs that we know are called the Cyber uh, Essential and also the Cyber Trust Marks uh, programs. But there is also another program called the uh, by IMDA called the Data Protection Trust. So there is some confusion rather about 
where, what is the difference between these programs and how is it impacting and how we should use them to our advantage for the enterprises out there? So let me talk about the IMDA Data Protection Trust Mark. As the name uh, implies, actually it focuses very much on data and if I may add, uh, very specifically personal data. Hmm. So let's say um, if you're in the business of managing and dealing with uh, a lot of um, personal data, this would be something that you would want to uh, look into um, as part of your overall uh, posture. Um, but of course, related to it is cybersecurity because cybersecurity and data are very much closely related and you can't really like split them so cleanly. Mm. So I think when we look at cybersecurity, we look at um, a whole range of measures including data protection and when we look at data, I would say that we look at it a bit more broadly going beyond personal data to include things like potentially business sensitive or business critical information. Mm. So I think collectively, if you have good cyber hygiene measures, it can help to prevent against data breaches and similarly, if your business is really in the space of personal data processing, then you would want to consider this. I think in common, all these are all certification programs. And maybe the bigger question is, what does a certification program bring to an yes. enterprise? So whether it's your investment in cybersecurity measures or your investment in data protection measures, all these are things that you invest in very much at the back end. You can't really see it. So how do you actually tell people that I've reached a certain standard? And that's mm. where certification comes in. Because with a certification, uh, you get a chop to say, oh, you have met a certain baseline hygiene or you have met a certain standard and it becomes very visible. It brings your investment back end into something at the front to say, this is a visible label. And when your customers see this, they feel that, oh, there is a certain sense of trust that they are able to trust that you have put in place certain measures and this is because it's been independently verified by, you know, a trusted certification body. And this actually helps uh, for the business to become a competitive itch in the business. Yes. So I think this was actually generally the value of certification programs. One part of your questions asked about the difference between cyber essentials and cyber trust. So let me just explain a little bit further. So when we talked about certification, actually, uh, for the small enterprise who is very much, you know, not very uh, resource, does not have many resources, yes. usually the word certification doesn't gel very well because yes. most of them will think, wow, this is actually something which I can never achieve and attain. So I think one thing that we did very deliberately is to actually design cyber essentials to be relatively um, achievable even for the small enterprise. And we did this by going around the world to look at the different countries that have put in place um, basically basic cyber hygiene. And we distilled um, and prioritized a list of basic cyber hygiene measures so that it's a bit more direct for the small enterprise. Uh, they don't need to go through a complicated risk assessment because many of the small enterprise do not actually have uh, dedicated IT teams to do that. But we just directly tell them these are the five measures or five categories of measures that you should put in place. It's a bit more direct so that they can implement uh, a bit more easily. And we try to make it achievable as well so that they don't feel like they've had to uh, climb Mount Everest in order to pass it uh, so that they are able to at least get the minimum baseline done and yes. it gets them protected against the majority of common mm. cyber attacks. Mm. And then cyber trust uh, is for those that are, are larger, a bit mm. more digitalized, definitely have IT teams mm. and would want to go beyond cyber hygiene. Mm. So if you look at the shift in the cybersecurity industry, we are slowly shifting away from a compliance mindset into a risk-based mindset. Right. What a risk-based mindset uh, basically means is that basically know what your risks are, what your exposure is, and therefore put in place the right measures that would match your level of risk exposure as well as your risk appetite. Mm. So what we do in CyberTrust is that we have a guided risk assessment framework for the companies to figure out what their risk profile is, what their risk appetite is, then they would pick the right level of CyberTrust um, tier to be able to manage 
match where they are in their in the business journey. I think that's really really interesting. Especially today, we have so much born in the clouds a company. And I I would like to say that almost every company is a digital company in one way or another, right? I would definitely want to work with a company that I know have at least some form of cybersecurity hygiene in place, and giving them a certification really give confidence to this. I think uh, this is something that's I. Unique, at least in my experience, and I know that you guys have done a lot of research to baseline this program. And the best part of this program is that it's progressive as it's linear, and it really depends on the size of your company. We ha you have a program for almost every type of company along the way, right? And I think that's wonderful, right? That's that's it's not a one size fit all, right? Everyone depends on your posture, and you can cater to uh, the individual silos within that program itself, right? And that's really really exciting. So you also talk about security hygiene, which I think is so critical because sometimes we are talking about. All this fanciful cybersecurity technology, but we just forget about the simple things in life. It's just like we have, co you know, during COVID time, the simple thing you can do is just to wash your hands, but we don't do that, right? So thanks, you know, for for putting the attention back to important things like hygiene, right, patch management, like backup, right. These are critical things that you can easily uh, deploy as part of your certification. I I understand now that with all these three certifications, uh, that that you know we want to encourage customers and partners and 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 also business organizations to come on board. Now, while they are onboarding this certification uh, and get the recognition and get some of this basic uh, security in place or advanced, depending on what level you are, is there, in your opinion, Veronica, anything, any low-hanging fruit out there besides this certification program that enterprises could do today to give them an edge in this cyberspace that we are talking about? Uh, so some maybe going for certification is a bit like going for exam. Uh, so you might not be ready for the exam at the onset. So if let's say you're not ready for the exam, go for the 10-year series or the tuition teachers. So uh, I would suggest uh, going to CSA's website to download some of the free cybersecurity toolkits that we have developed for the companies. We have some that target the Taukis and the business leaders and it speaks to them in a business language why cybersecurity is not just a technical issue but uh, part of the business risk management. Mm. So that's for the business leaders. Mm. And then the next stage is usually for the companies that actually are convinced and want to get started but may not have the resources. We also have toolkits that are free to help companies get started in basic cyber awareness training. Now humans, um, the human factor uh, attributes to about 80% of the cost of cybersecurity incidents. So even if the company has not invested that much in technology, I think uh, a good starting point is to make sure that the company employees are aware about basic cyber hygiene and do not inadvertently click on, let's say, a phishing link, for example, that would inevitably lead to malware yes. in the organization. Yes. And I think with all these in place, then this will start slowly get them started in the journey and eventually they'll reach the stage where they're ready for a self-assessment. So we also have free resources which um, accompany the cyber essentials and cyber trust. Like I said, not everybody's ready for exam, but why not take the exam paper, which is available for free on the website, walk through the questions and figure out where you are in terms of your score. Um, are there certain areas where there are big uh, red or orange gaps and that you need to pay attention to. And this would be a good starting point for many organisations. Yes, and I think that's really, really interesting. There's so much resources out there, but not many people are aware that all these resources are available. So for our audience out there who are looking to get more information, get yourself educated, look, please, I would like to encourage you to look at the CSA website. There's plenty full of resources, way beyond what we have discussed in this podcast and this YouTube channel. Check it out. You might find something that's relevant to you. But Veronica, I got another question. You know, sometimes it's interesting. I've been talking to the smaller uh, enterprises at uh, the case. Uh, they always tell me, uh, even in today's world, right? No, la, I won't get attacked one. La, I'm so small. 
what's your message to people uh, to talk case like that? No, unfortunately, I think the cyber criminals and the attackers are also quite smart. Lah. Some of them will target the large organizations because they're attractive targets. But typically, the large organization uh, has IT teams and they would implement a certain cyber defense so that the wall is higher. But for the smaller organizations who do not think that they are basically the subject of attacks, they will find that they are sometimes the easier targets and there could be cyber attackers who would prefer to attack them. I also wanted to talk about uh, supply chain. Supply chain attack is something where you are attacked not directly, but indirectly because of a vulnerability or exploit in, um, in the supply chain, for example, right. through a supply chain partner or the software that you're using. Right. So we've seen a, a rapid increase in supply chain attacks in the industry. And some of the smaller organizations are actually big supply chain partners to large organizations. So sometimes you may not be targeting the small enterprise directly, but using them as a conduit to target the bigger wow. enterprise. I think these are some of the reasons why uh, all of us need to stay vigilant and prevention is always better than cure. So therefore, I think it's still important to be aware and put in place the basic cyber hygiene, even if resources are scarce. Very good point. I never thought about that. <laughs> Especially for SMEs, they, they never, I don't think a lot of people, they know about cybersecurity sometimes, but they might not be aware they are part of the supply chain attack. And it is a calculated attack. So I think this is something that we have to be very, very aware of today because it's going to be, it's going to be a new form of attacks that is, is happening and is increasing as we speak. So, uh, besides your advice on, you know, for our smaller enterprises, Veronica, I want to shift gear a little bit, right? I want to talk a little bit about how do you see the future of cybersecurity? We know that in the recent years, there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence. Some people use it to weaponize it. Some people feel that it's a, it gives us an edge. What's your view about AI for the future of cybersecurity? This is very much of a cat and a mouse game, or in some cases, it's building a wall to prevent the seawater from coming in. So if your cyber attackers are using AI to up their game, which is the seawater, and you're building the wall, surely logically, you need to up your wall so that it's higher than the seawater and the seawater cannot come in. So if the attackers are using AI, then very logically, the cyber defenders need to be using AI mm. well as well so that we can basically keep the seawall higher and the water cannot get in. Okay. So you do see that the future AI is going to play an increasing role in this space? Yes, definitely. In fact, in some of the products and services that we're seeing, the solution providers are starting to incorporate AI capabilities um, into their cybersecurity solutions. Okay. AI does well in things like um, dealing with a large amount of hmm. data, uh, doing pattern recognition and so on. Yeah. So this would be uh, ways where they can actually use this to make hmm. their offerings um, a lot stronger. Hmm. And this will also help enterprises better protect themselves against all the cybersecurity incidents that are happening out there. Yeah, I think that I, I also feel that uh, AI will augment what we are doing and help us to reduce some of the complexity today. And I also feel that sometimes, as what you have mentioned, the only way to tackle bad AI is good AI, right? <laughs> so it's going to be AI versus AI in this space. We're going to see a lot more of it. And before I let you go, Veronica, one more question for you, right? You are a director of CSC, an important, imminent organization in Singapore. You've been a leader for so long. Do you have advice? Do you have like three leadership advice for all our digital leaders there that's running digital teams, cybersecurity teams? It's a very stressful job. It is, it is a very disruptive job and things changes almost, you know, every few these things changes so in a, such a dynamic organ, uh, uh, environment like that you know what are some of your tips to leaders to continue to motivate and continue to get their people to be involved and, and to transform 
uh, together industry. I guess maybe what I'm going to say may sound a little bit cliched, but uh, if you're in this industry, I agree it's fairly stressful. In fact, uh, we saw some numbers that talk about the level of burnout in CISOs and it's amazingly high. So um, CISOs are very much well sought after. They're quite well paid, but the burnout rate also seems to be quite high. So I think one tip that I would definitely say is to basically um, have the balance in your life and take care of yourself because if you cannot take care of yourself, then uh, a lot of other things cannot happen. Mm. Whether it's you driving actively in uh, a leadership role in the organisation or you taking care of your family. The other one I would say is actually um, another fairly cliched thing, which is actually if uh, what you do is actually a passion, then you'll find that you'll never have to work a single day in your life again because every day as you so-called go to work, you're actually working on something you're passionate about. So mm. I think most importantly, the technology space and the digital space is a huge one. Mm. So find an area where you're really uh, very much into it as part of your passion. And once you can feel it and you can find that area, you won't feel that you're going to work every single day because mm. you're just indulging in a certain passion. And that would, uh, to my first point, uh, also help you in addressing the burnout because if you feel that you're enjoying yourself and you're loving it, it's probably not going to create that much of a burnout. And we, we need to find passion because the technology space moves so quickly. How do you keep up? The only way for you to keep up is if you have the genuine interest in it. Um, if not, it's going to be quite difficult. Okay, so we spoke about self-care and as well as passion. Like, talking from you, I can feel your passion from here, actually, Veronica. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, so what are you doing for self-care? I do quite a lot of, yo a lot of yoga. Ah. Um, yep, uh, that's, that's one way. And I like taking uh, walks and runs in nature. I mean, of course, you could also uh, walk and run in your treadmill, which does get very useful these days when it's always raining. But I think uh, if the weather allows, it's very good to be taking a walk out in Mother Nature because it heals and soothes your mind. Mm. Um, nothing beats uh, smelling, well, the smell of nature uh, and, you know, looking at trees as you run by. So to our audience out there, I think the, to summarise, right, it's important to take care of yourself. Be passionate about your job and make sure you get certified and go on board, look at CSA's program so they can help you in building resiliency for your organization going forward. So, Veronica, on behalf of all the enterprises and behalf of the Tony Tan Show and podcast, you know, I really thank you. We appreciate your feedback and your insights. They are really valuable to us. And we hope to have you in our show again in the upcoming series. But once again, thank you for thank joining you us much. this afternoon. You've been listening to The Tony Tan Show, your number one podcast about optimization of human potential with the latest technology. Your future is in the present. It's time to embrace it now. www.tonytanasia.com 